Well, good morning. <clears throat> Some weeks preaching just seems like uh, unnecessary, like we should just keep worshiping together. <clears throat> well, we've been in our uh, Kingdom of Heaven is like sermon series uh, for a number of weeks now going through these parables. And today we finally wrap that series up in Matthew chapter 20. In the first 16 chapters, we'll read this parable this morning. Next week already is uh, Holy Week getting kicked off, if you can believe that, Palm Sunday next week, and then Holy Week to, to follow, and so uh, we're looking forward to that. We're excited to walk with you through Holy Week, but today, Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, is where we'll start. I'll pray, and then we'll dive into the text. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the ways that you work in our lives, often in spite of us. You are so faithful, and we are so thankful for your faithfulness. Would you come into our hearts and minds? Would you fill this place with your Holy Spirit? Would you give us ears to hear you this morning? And Lord, would you please give me words to speak, all for your glory. Amen. All right, Matthew. Chapter 20, laborers in the vineyard, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the, his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And those hired, about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled. The master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us? who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat? But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. The last will be first and the first will be last. That is something that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. But this is the way Jesus often spoke. The exalted will be humbled. The humbled will be exalted. The weak will be made strong. The slave is free. Those free are slaves to Christ. The foolish will shame the wise. 
The low, he makes kings. And he makes kings low. This is the upside down kingdom of God. Jesus replaces his glorious throne next to God for a position of a baby in a manger. A crown of a king for a crown of thorns. He says, if you want to have it all, sell all you have. How about that? If you want to live, die to yourself. Because in death, there is life. The ones that are persecuted for Christ are actually going to be honored. In disappointment and defeat, there can be victory. He says, the, the poor are really rich and the rich are really poor. Blessed are the poor, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He gives grace to thugs, to thieves, and even grandmas. In a world of chaos and quickness, he says, be still. In a world where emotions and opinions or feelings are declared truth, Jesus declares I am the truth, he says. Church, in this series, I hope that you've recognized that God's kingdom is so very different than ours. Sometimes and oftentimes directly opposite. And as we read this text today, something glaringly stands out. It stands out because it's off-putting, like potato salad in the summer sun. It doesn't agree with us. That thing is, it's, it's not fair. Fairness is something we are able to recognize so easily. Even children seem, to a, seem able to, to know when they've been shorted or bamboozled, right? When something's not fair, they'll let you know about it. Fairness seems to be a pillar in how we wish the world was. So let's look into this text real quick to just see how unfair it is. It says, The kingdom of heaven is a master of the house, your version might say, a landowner. And early in the morning, he goes out to find some workers for his vineyard. And they agree on a denarius. Now, that was like, that's a word for like a day's wage. That's what you'd get paid. That's the standard of what you get paid for working a day. For denarius. And then he sends them in after they agree on this price. He then continues to go out because there's much work to be done. And people are literally just standing around idly not accomplishing anything, not having any purpose. So he goes out at 9 o'clock, then he goes out at noon. The workday starts at 6, then he goes out at 9, he goes out at noon, he goes out at 3 o'clock, and then finally at 5 o'clock, just one hour before the working day ends, he sends some more in. Each time, finding more people for his vineyard. Then it comes time to settle up. And those that started last get paid first in reverse order of when they were hired. And the others see that the 5 o'clock people get paid a denarius. And they start thinking, wow, turns out this master of the house is a rather generous dude. I cannot wait to see what we end up getting if they're getting a denarius. And what do they end up getting? Exactly what they agreed upon. One denarius. The landowner didn't cheat them or change the rules. He gave them what he promised. But they're not happy. Verse 13, but he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. 
I choose to give to the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Do you ever begrudge God's generosity? I think we do this all the time. But God, it's not fair. Here's one of the core truths to this parable. The kingdom of heaven is not fair. At least not in the way that we understand fairness. He is fair in the way that exactly what God has promises, what God speaks, he will do. He is a God of his word. He will never go back on his word. So he, he is fair in that regard. But how we understand fairness with equality and, and you know, how much you, you know, the more you work, the more you should get, that's not how the kingdom of heaven works. Somehow we have slipped our idea of fairness into kind of our modern theology and we kind of think that God should be fair, or he, he really is fair. And then when things like this parable come up, it doesn't seem like it really lines up. Well, he isn't necessarily fair. We know that life isn't fair, but I don't think we often really go as far as kind of saying those words, that God isn't fair. And I'm saying it today because I'm excited to tell you that, because it's actually great news. It's great news that God isn't fair. Fairness would have gotten us in hell. <laughs> if God were fair, he would have left you in your sin. After all the time that you've hurt him, you've hurt yourself, you've hurt others, you've turned back on him, made empty promises, the times that you return back to that sin that you promised never to turn back to, after all that, Jesus still comes into your life and says, I forgive you. Forgive us? It's not fair. <laughs> Jesus having to die was not fair. He didn't deserve it. Us getting salvation for free? It's not fair. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8, Paul kind of lines this, this, this up, and we read this chapter often, but it just really describes this. But God being rich in mercy... Because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own doing, you didn't earn it. It's a gift from God. It's not out of fairness that God acts. It's out of his character that is filled with love and grace, justice and mercy. It's more complex than our idea of fair. But it's so easy to grumble, isn't it? Lord, I'm out here busting my butt. And you bless that guy. I've been praying for this thing for three years and then it looks like you just, like that, they just stumbled into it over there. 
I mean, have you even seen how they act? Have you heard the things that they've been saying? How come they have it so easy, Lord? It's not fair. How come I've got to go through what I'm going through and that person over there seems to do whatever they want and they just get to have it so easy? We like to under, un, kind of have an understanding that, that yeah, we get the Lord and, because, and, and we kind of maybe deserved it in a sense, so we're kind of good. And, 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 and now, now, you know, Lord, but them over there, what? How come they, it's not fair, Lord. If you're like me, you're always putting yourself into these parables as you read them. Kind of what, what character am I? Am I? What, what role do I play in this? And here at church, I would say most of us put ourselves in that first worker category. It's maybe why you might view this parable as unfair. Maybe you would consider yourself a nine o'clocker or even a nooner. But most of us in here right now, I would say don't consider us the five o'clock person category. The truth is, though, if that's how you view yourself, this, this early worker, any time before 5 o'clock, the truth is he has chosen you and that isn't a bummer. It doesn't mean that now you get stuck doing the work. The Lord has picked you with time left in the day and you get to spend that time in the vineyard making fruit for the master. And not only that, you get to live knowing that you have a denarius coming. You have salvation promised to you. You were invited in. You were promised a payment. And it wasn't because you're outside banging on the gate saying, you know, come on, let me in. I, I know those other guys don't want to work, but I really do. No, you're just out in the marketplace idly hanging out, and the Lord comes to find you. He chooses you, invites you in. You won the lottery, and you didn't even buy a ticket, right? Those truly chosen early got to work all day knowing, having the security that they had something coming when the day ended. What did the others get? They had nothing promised. They just wasted their days idly, not having purpose, not having direction, being unhired, really unsure what was to come. I feel like everybody at some point in their Christian walk has thought maybe once Man, those lucky ducks that accept Christ right on their deathbed, <laughs> they get to do whatever they wanted and they still get salvation. Still get the same thing I get even though I've been working through the heat of the day. Us early morning folks or the nine o'clock folks, sometimes we've been working so long we can lose our perspective. I bet those five o'clock workers think of this parable so differently than us but they just celebrate the master's generosity they're not bugged by it but i also wonder in their eyes if they too view this parable as unfair they think that the master wasn't fair i bet they're actually jealous of the workers like many of us who got hired early I bet they're so bummed they didn't get a full day in the vineyard. All that wasted time they spent without purpose, without knowing if there was hope for them, 
how, how they just must have envied those chosen early. My grandpa had a lot of close calls <clears throat> in his health uh, for years before he passed away. There was many trips where we got uh, calls as family as the doctors thought it was time for goodbye. But then somehow he would kind of just he'd come out of it. And finally, after many of these, my brother Steve and my brother Steven and my, and my grandpa were, were really close. And I went and, and sat down with my grandpa one-on-one in, in, in the hospital. My grandpa was, was afraid of death. And Stephen uh, got to share with him that, that there doesn't have to be fear, that there can be certainty of salvation. And as they talked about this, my grandpa's eyes lit up, but also were a little bit concerned because he says, man, I want that, but I suppose it's a little too late for me. Stephen got to share with him the good news that it wasn't too late at all. <laughs> That the thief on the cross next to Jesus made the cut, and so could he. And all that believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he and he alone can forgive their sins. My grandpa received the gift of Jesus in that hospital bed, prayed a prayer of salvation. My grandpa was a five o'clock vineyard worker. It makes me view this parable much different, not begrudging his generosity, but celebrating it because there are so many still left in the marketplace that are not hired, that do not have a denarius coming, do not have salvation coming, and we have a master who will give it even in the last hour. Larry Schumann, our former maintenance man here, he was a five o'clock vineyard worker. God's generosity is something to praise. But us, church, if you're here today and you were hired before five o'clock and if you're here right now, I'm guessing that is you. You have gotten it all. Invitation, security, salvation. Because God keeps his word. Salvation will be given just as he's promised. He's given you that. I promise a denarius and a denarius you'll get. No more, no less. And church, our working day isn't over yet. And I don't want us to spend it worrying about or judging what other people are getting or what they're worthy of. We just get to go in the vineyard, get to go work for the master. We know our master's generosity. It's a great, great pleasure. And I hope it excites you today. Because we get the salvation that's coming and we get the vineyard work. Larry, my grandpa, many others that you probably know that come to your mind, they get salvation too, but they missed out on the work of the vineyard. It's almost not fair. But then again, <clears throat> as we've learned, the upside down <clears throat> kingdom of heaven is different, isn't necessarily fair. And we should praise God for it every single day.
because it's changed our life and it's continuing to change so many others. Let's pray. Lord, you are a, a good and an awesome God and we are so thankful. We're so thankful that you didn't judge us by our works, that you didn't see our sin and let that disqualify us from your grace. You've still come out and you've found us. You've, you've ushered us into your vineyard. You've given us purpose. You've given us security. You've given us hope. Lord, we are so thankful for that. Let us never begrudge your generosity. As life's trials come, Lord, let us just praise you that through those trials, we know that there can be life in Jesus that nothing can separate us from you, life or death, trial or tribulation, good times or bad, you are near. We have been hired into your vineyard, and we are grateful. It's in your name we pray. Amen.